Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is McLean. I'm here with Mike and Jay. We're here for the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We've got a bunch of great stuff to bring you tonight after a big week in golf. Let's hear it from the boys. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Awesome. Let's do this. I'm not used to this yet. I'm really not used to this. Um, I've been working on it, Mike. I was thinking about it all week, buddy. You just fucking knocked it out of the park again. Just that's another home run for you. Great intro. A lot of energy. I love it. Bring in the heat tonight. Bring I love the heat. It. Although you don't have your microphone. You're in parts unknown in Florida. What <laughs> um, the Florida. I love it. But yeah. Well, welcome back, everyone. We got an awesome episode tonight. I am been jacked up for this episode for weeks now because of the US Open. I haven't been so excited for an event in a long time. But before we get there, we got a few other things we need to talk about. There's been a little news happening in the golf world. It happened last week. Again, I apologize. This is my fault. We are doing this on a Tuesday night. Uh, so this episode will go out Wednesday morning. That was my fault. I was out of town all weekend and had some family in town when I got back in town. And um, just a little little hectic on my, my personal calendar. So we are recording this on a Tuesday night. We'll get this out Wednesday. But uh, real fast, I do want to give a shout out to Tobacco Road Golf Club, the Dormy Club in Southern Pines. I went on a golf trip there with my members this weekend. There was 24 of us, and it was absolutely amazing. So all the golf courses were fantastic, challenging, fun. Can play them all day, every day. We stayed there at the Dormy Club in their brand new cottages with their brand new clubhouse. Kalen Freed, the head professional there, his staff, um, clubhouse staff service, they were they were just fantastic. Food was good. And it was just an awesome, awesome time. So I'm going to want to give them a shout out and a little plug. Anyone, if you're looking for a place to play, um, Southern Pines and Tobacco Road Republic, you can go make your tea times and go play there. Dormy Club, you need a little in, but um, I will say it's just just utterly fantastic. So um, we're how was uh, what what was the consensus over Tobacco Road? I was surprised. Um, almost everyone liked it. I think some people were a little. <laughs> A little weird. I mean, you know, it's Mike Strands. It's it's awkward, right? It's a lot of eye candy. It's he yeah. tries to play some tricks with you, um, and you know, you, you kind of stand on every tee box and you go, "What do I do here?" You know, or yeah. what the hell? That. What the hell does this do? But if you can, you know, they have the big screens on the golf carts, and you know, we had our noses in those the whole time, and that kind of helped. And it's really not as it's nowhere near as challenging as it looks. He just tries to play mind games with you and get you out of your game mentally, visually, intimidate you that way. But there's really usually a lot of space to hit the ball, especially off the tee, if you're just playing smart. But it's fun. You could go out there and play as aggressive as you want and shoot a 66 or an 86, um, where you can kind of plot your way along. And I, I, I loved it. I'll go play it again any day of the week. Um, I thought it was fun. It's different. Again, it's just you don't see a lot of that anymore. And you guys have played a, a strands course in Bulls Bay down in Charleston and love it. And strands has done one here in, in town um, at Royal New Kent outside of Richmond. So some of that around here in the, in the Southeast bought myself a sweet Mike strands t-shirt him with an orange paint can with that beautiful flow, that curly mullet. Well, you know, you get a feeling right from the get go at tobacco road of kind of what you're in for, because you, you get up there on that first tee and as odd as it sounds, it, it it doesn't look tight, tight, but you feel like you need to place your drive a little bit. And then when you drive down the hill and you get to the middle of the fairway, you realize you're in the middle of a football field. Yeah, and it's 80 it, yards wide. 
Exactly. But the, the perception from off the tee is totally different. Yeah. And it, there's a couple holes out there. I can remember I played in a junior event there as a kid. And um, there's a couple holes out there. I'd, I was playing in a practice round with my father. It was like the one on the back nine that has the blind green with the really tall uh, flag. Yep. You just take a driver over the trees there and hit a gap wedge in. You don't even have to even hit yeah. a good drive to hit it over the right side. But if you didn't know that, you'd never know it. And it, it, it's an interesting course, a, a really visually kind of cool. I mean, hell, think about missing the green right on two there. It was 60 yards down to where that ball could potentially end up. I mean, have the hardest bunker shot of your life. Um, it, it's a unique track. There's some um, some certainly unique characteristics, but I think an all-around fun way to play golf. And I think Mike Strantz has done a good job of that. And most of all the courses that I've played of his. Um, Bulls Bay is one of my favorite. Monterey Peninsula Shores is arguably my favorite. Um, so, again, I, I, I may be a little bit uh, – uh, maybe on his side a little bit, but I'm, I'm, yeah, certain, yeah. I'm certainly a fan of what he's done. You know, he, he, they, he plays a lot of uh, visual tricks off the tee. Like you mentioned, it's similar to Pete Dye. Like they, and, uh, but the only difference is Pete Dye will play those tricks with you off the tee and then he'll screw you. <laughs> Whereas Mike <laughs> strands, he'll play these visual tricks with you and like kind of intimidate you. But then you walk up and you're like, Oh wow, I've got all this room. Just kind of yeah. like you mentioned, like you, you feel like you're hitting down a, you know, a 10 foot wide fairway and you get out there and it's an 80, 80 yard wide fairway. Whereas Pete Dye will play these tricks with you and make you think you have a lot of room and you actually don't. So it's, it's, yeah. it's obviously it's similar in this, in the sense that they, they kind of visually mess with you off the tee, but one is more forgiving and one is really is one, one architect is, is really penal, but yeah, um, I definitely, I, um, I, I love this the golf course. I think they're great. Every time I play uh, Mike's trans course, I see something different or I learn something new I see a different wrinkle in the greens or a different way to play, you know, a ball off of a fairway or a different mound. It's just cool. It's fun. Something different. I mean, that's the, I think that's, what's fun. You play the same golf course every day, but you're going to see something different. Uh, yeah. You could play every, play. every hole in three different <laughs> ways. You almost, yeah, you know, exactly. Um, so I thought, I thought that was cool. And I definitely would have, if I go back, there's probably a, actually a couple more holes. I'll probably play more aggressive now that knowing what I know, Versus like it was my first time there. I didn't want to shoot a million. So I was like, I'll just hit a three wood and play safe and yeah, hit to the fat. Or then like you, you especially when I, I always get a good perspective sometimes when you're standing on a green looking back towards the tee. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah. if I just would have hit over there, I would have had nothing in. And, <laughs> you know, like that carries not as nearly as far as I thought it would have been. And um, so, yeah, it was great. And then Tobacco Road. um uh, core Crenshaw design, and I'm just a huge Core Crenshaw fan. Um, kind of like McLean is strand, so it was yeah. a great spot. And then we played Southern Pines on Sunday, which um, was kind of like the local Muni down there for all the locals that live there. And everyone would go play the resort and Pine Needles and Mid Pines and all that kind of stuff. Because falling on hard times, but Kelly Miller, who owns Pine Needles Mid Pines, bought it a couple of years ago. Brought in Kyle Franz to redo it. Um, completely re redo it and it's it's awesome um challenging i mean it, we played it we played it short you know like the member tees like 6300 yards um but it's tough it was a tough tough 6300 yards yeah um i was three under through six and then uh my fucking wheels fell off i got tired <laughs> <laughs> it happens so, dude. started 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 hot and then didn't end so hot but it was still a great time and i'd, I'd go back there in a heartbeat um, to play that so 
And like I said, Kalen Freed, the head pro at Dormy Club, him and his staff did a fantastic job taking care of my guys, and uh, we appreciate it. But let's get to some real golf, real golfers. Hey, what What are you drinking? Oh, sorry, I am drinking uh, Sweetens Cove. Oh, the the Tennessee, their cheaper version. Um, that my lovely wife picked up for How me. How is it? They, it's pretty they good. They make a couple really high end bottles. They come with my high end, yeah, that are $150, $200 a bottle. This was like the $60 bottle that they make. Yeah. Um, it's good. I wouldn't say it's earth shattering by any means. Yeah. Um, over the top. But it's good. No. Nice. I'll have to I'll have to sneak a sneak a taste of that. What are you drinking? I am um I'm actually uh, shout out to a good buddy of mine, Charlie Shiflet. I made a nice little trade this week. Um, I missed out on Booker's first release of 2022. It's called Ronnie's Batch, um, and it's good. I mean, all of the Booker's are, are hot. I mean, they're they. I mean, when I say hot, they they're 124, 125, 126 proof, so they're strong. Um, but this one's it's pretty good. I mean, really good. I mean, it's kind of and not to get too deep in it, but it's got. It's it's got some good good flavors, pretty pretty rich and pretty sweet, um, but still has still has the the bite that you would get from a Booker's. But um, I mean, I like Booker's. I, I it's but they're strong. So yeah. if you're not if you're not a heavy hitter like that, like even this, I'm I'm drinking it neat, but I had to put a little bit of a couple splashes of water in it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll put a hair in your chest. Yeah, it'll it'll burn you out. But um, <laughs> it's uh it's good. It's good. Something uh, different. McLean's muted. He's currently walking through a uh, lobby of a hotel. With I'm right camera, here. I'm, not, I'm with ready the, to go. With the camera upside down, you were swinging your arms like an old lady walking the mall or something. I was getting dizzy. I'm a, I'm a mall walker two days a week. <laughs> <laughs> is that Corona light? It is not. Stella Artois. Oh, okay. You're fancy oh, wow. tonight. You're fancy. Wow. Classing it up. Yep, pinky's up, just like my boy Jay. Real classy. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's get into some golf. So let's start on the PGA Tour, the premier tour in the world of golf. I thought we were going to talk about the premier tour. Let's talk about live golf. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get there because we're not going to talk too in-depth about the actual golf that happened at the Canadian Open. But Rory wins. We had a little duel between our guys, Rory and JT, and Finau was up there. And I was able to watch some of the highlights and kind of followed it on my phone a little bit as we were driving back and um, caught the last few holes. Uh, the most talented guy won. I, I love Rory. I love him to death. I I don't. I have nothing against Rory. He just disappoints me. I just have a high standard for him, and I, I love him. He's one of my favorite players. I just also believe yeah. that JT is equal with him. I can believe both things. I can like Rory and still believe yeah. you know that JT is yeah. is is equal. That, that's fair. Um, I will say this golf is way more exciting, not way more golf is more exciting when Rory's in contention than when JT's just in contention. Yeah. Right? If I were, if I were to choose, if only one could be in contention and playing well, it's more exciting when Rory is in JT. It doesn't take anything away from JT. I love him. I, I still think he has the same talent as Rory, but it's just a I little bit of a, yeah, just a little uh, bit of an extra edge or juice uh, when Rory's Rory's up there. I would so, agree. Look, Rory had it this week. Rory had it this week. He played fantastic, and rightfully so. He won the golf tournament. He putted better on the back nine than JT did. However, Rory does the same thing over and over. JT is working the ball both ways. He hits any shot that gets called upon. 
And I think I, I just think he's a more exciting player to watch. He seems to me to have that killer instinct where Rory just kind of ho hums. If I win, okay. If I don't, okay. Whereas JT JT plays golf with emotion, and he does. he's got that GTS yeah. and fire, no question. That 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 to me makes JT a little bit more of an exciting player. You know, when JT's feeling it and he's hitting it, you see the let's go. Be right. You know, he, he gives a little bit of emotion to it. And I'm not saying that, you know, yelling at the ball is the best way or the most attractive thing in the golf world. By no means am I making an argument for that. But I will make the argument that says he plays with more emotion. And to me, that gives a little bit more entertaining. Where Rory, he you don't know if he's hit a good or a bad shot. He's just kind of, mer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's on that note, I mean, remember when – um Rory in the Ryder Cup when he started getting really pumped up. I mean, that was to me that was like a la you know circa the top Rory. That was like his peak Rory. Yeah. Like when he was like playing his best golf, you know, talking shit and like you know getting the crowd, you know, I'm jazzed up. I guess you could say, but like that was awesome. Like putting his you know hand up to his ear, like asking yeah. for the crowd to yell after he made a long putt. I was like, that's. I mean, I kind of I, I like seeing that. I know that's not really his nature, but it is fun to see see a little bit of that from him. Um, but no, you're right. I, I agree. I mean, JT gets he definitely gets more. Um, he's more animated on the golf course for sure. Um, you know, and, I, and that's you know that, that's arguable arguable to, to decide what is more entertaining. Some people don't like that. Some people do like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not. Well, I'm not. The, the Rory Patrick Reed match was peak Ryder Cup. It was peak yeah. team golf. It was peak match play. It was peak Rory. It was peak Patrick Reed. It was peak every factor in that match. And that was when Rory, we saw the most emotion out of him. And that's when we saw one of the best Ryder Cup matches that we'll ever see. Forget your feelings on Rory or Patrick Reed. That was one of the best Ryder Cup matches we will ever see. The crowd engagement, everything on the line. It was absolute unbelievable. But at the end of the day, you don't see that out of Rory except for in the biggest of moments. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I know JT it, provides more moments than that, than Rory maybe, does. But maybe that's point. what Rory is missing. Yeah. Maybe he needs a little more of that. Maybe he needs to yeah. show a little more of that. And that's why he, he hasn't won a major yeah. in so long. And again, I, I love the guy. He's one of my top two, three, four, five guys on the PGA Tour. Um, it's just... I just get disappointed by him. I just want more out of him. And I, I just, that's, that's where my holdup with Rory is. I still love the guy and I still root yeah. for him every time he's in contention. I like the original Rory that whose clothes didn't fit and his Jufro crept out from under his tideless <laughs> unstruck. I, I like that guy more. Just a little, <laughs> just a little pudgy, slow his baby weight. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe look. Maybe it's because I I can commiserate with that. Yeah. You know, it, it seems more realistic to me because I'm still dealing with my baby weight. <laughs> you, put, you put your baby I weight back on. I haven't said that yet. My, my, <laughs> baby, my baby weight came back. I'm getting it back off, though. <laughs> you wait. Um, but, yeah, I thought, I thought it was exciting. Like, I was in the car just kind of following along on the, you know, PJ Tour app and – um, I happen to have both on my fantasy team, which was fantastic. But um, 
There was a six hole stretch where the two of those guys made 11 birdies. I think it was or something like that in the middle of the round from like seven to 12 or something like that. The two of them played a combined 12 holes. And I think there was 11 birdies or they were 11 under in that 12 hole stretch or something like that. Look, I, mean, I know where you're going crazy. with this and you're right. I just want to go ahead and say this. I know where you're going and I think you're right. And it's unfortunate without question. PJ Tour provided a better product this weekend than Liv did. Oh, I, I wasn't really going there. Um, yeah, but it's well, not not, not yet, not with that exact point. But uh, yeah. we'll we'll get to the Liv Golf stuff. Um, let's, get, let's 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 go. What are we doing I, here? I was just talking about. Okay, well here's here's how I'll transition. We have more to talk about Canada. Here's here's how I'll transition to Liv Golf. I'll admit I'm not the most religious guy, spiritual guy in this world. I do believe a little bit in karma. And it was remarkable that the two biggest cheerleaders right now for the PGA Tour put on a show for them on that weekend against Live Golf. Um, it was remarkable. I mean, of, of all the guys on tour that have come out against Live Golf and have spoken, and they've spoken well about it and classy about it, has been JT and Rory. And then the two of them put on a show. And, and I don't want to dis- dismiss Finau and Justin Rose because those guys played a big factor in the entertainment value um of the canadian open but there for me as a anti-live golf guy it was like yeah see this shit is good and these two guys deserve this and they deserve the spotlight and i almost wet myself when uh rory dunked on greg norman in the post-round interview on the 18th green with amanda balionis or sorry amanda runner whatever her new name is now she's married and said that you know he now has 21 wins and some other guy has 20 PJ yeah, yeah, yeah. the other guy being Greg Norman um, after Norman yeah. comes out and says that McElroy's brainwashed. So that, that was, that was good. That little drama, that little edge there from Rory at the end. I loved it. Um, oh yes. And by far it was a much better, more drama, better product. Now it just happened to be, and there's some, yeah. there's some massive duds on the PJ tour. This one just happened to be really good at the perfect time. Well, and again, I think to what we've said in past, you know, pods is like, I, again, I keep saying it. Th- there's a reason these guys rose to the occasion. And why, why did they do that? Because there was a, there was something to compete against. There was some enemy. There was something that made them push a little more than they normally would. There was something that got them up for this event. It's because there was another competitive tour going on that was taking players away from the tour that they played on. Again, like I keep saying it, this this whole thing, I don't care if it's live tour, I don't care who it is, but this is sparking the right change and the right momentum. It, will this tour stay around? Who knows? I don't maybe not, but it's gonna it's gonna provoke some change. And one of the things that that came out, I know you probably saw this. Tiger goes from being an eight hundred million dollar athlete to a billion dollar athlete over overnight. Pretty sure without saying it out loud that somebody gave him a nice stipend to stay on the PGA tour. Now there's no, that's just speculation on my part, but it's weird how that all happened amidst, amidst all of this controversy. I mean, well, it wasn't like it happened overnight. It's just, it wasn't it, like people like, it wasn't like it's, it's a, a stock market ticker. That is, he went from his, you know, everyone can see his worth. It just happened to come out at this time. Yeah. It, well, it I also mean, came it, out that he turned down a, a high, it, Exactly. Nine figure dollar. So, I mean, it, it, I understand that, but there is, there is some correlation between the timing of it all to where that all came out. I'm, I wouldn't surprise me if there was something that was done to, 
to to. I actually of, thought he was a billionaire a couple of years ago, so I was I was yeah. a little surprised by that. Well, well they, I, I mean, like, they, they, you know, who knows for sure, but they, they people people keep pretty close tick on this on on what this the net value or the net worth of these people, and you don't go from eight hundred to a million in the course of a week or two, like something well, big happens. But but you have to go back to this in the history of net worth estimates none of these guys ever fucking verify this. There's not one of those guys that gets up and says, oh yeah, let me show you my tax returns and all this. This is all sure. Forbes or whatever. Someone estimating. Yeah, that's it all is. guesses. Like, it's all, like, yeah. It's popular for him on his side of things to be viewed that way. And they had a vested interest in reporting this. I don't think it's true. If I'm being honest with you, I'm not saying that he's not or he he's going to. I just think that the information, the way it came out is not substantiated, whether or not he's a billionaire. I think the report is, it's falsified. At I, the end of the day. I, well, I think it was, I think, I think he's absolutely a, a billionaire. I think he's been a billionaire for a couple of years. And he, I wouldn't disagree have. with that at uh, all. Mike. I just again, think that this report. Not to go, I don't care about Tiger being a billionaire. My point is that the PGA tour is making, they're making efforts to try to combat the, the competition, to try to keep guys, um, Whatever in whatever shape they do it, they're, they're making an effort, and the reason they're doing this is because, you know, the, some of these players have defected for whatever their own reasons. But there are reasons why they're going to another tour. And I, like I've said, I don't the live tour. I don't care who it is, but there's something there to spark some some type of new new change. Now, I, you know, again, I don't. The product was pretty average, in my opinion. You know, I was hoping, and McLean and I talked about it. I was hoping for the mic'd up caddies, the mic'd up players. Uh, I didn't see any of that. It was just another golf tournament, in my opinion. It like was. So it, let's, it, yeah, let's let's get into really some of those special, some of those specifics. So the Live Golf event happened. Um, they came out with you know since our last podcast, they came out. Did we talk about this last time or no? I don't think it came out during the. It was after our our episode. The worst names I've ever seen in my life. I think it was the next morning. They came out with these awful, awful logos. Like my oh, yeah. my nine year old. My nine-year-old nephew, if I said, hey, Brandon, I need you to come up with 12 golf names and 12 logos for those, <laughs> I think he could do a better job because those logos <laughs> looked like they came from clip art. Um, one of them looked like a fart. I love someone po- posted that on, on Twitter, like, oh, I'm going to support Team Fart. Um, it was just like a poof of smoke. It, 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 was, it was bad and goofy. And like I even texted you guys that week, the one cool thing that they kind of have going for them is this whole live draft team thing. Yeah. But they didn't didn't broadcast it it. or show it anywhere. It's like, that's a differentiator. If you're talking about all these fucking guys come out there, it's all, it's it's so innovative. Well, this is, that's the innovative part. And you didn't even show it. You're not even showing it off to anyone to see the innovative Mm -hmm. part of having a draft. Maybe because the draft was partly rigged because a couple of the teams and picks were already made ahead of time. Guys had agreed to play with each other. Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, and some other guy had agreed to play on the same team. So, like, it wasn't even really a, a draft. A like, real when, draft. It's so, yeah. I, I don't know. But so, and then the other thing I will say that was the positive. So, Charles Schwartzel wins. I guess his team won as well. Charles Schwartzel sucks and hasn't won since 2016, but that's regardless of the fact. Um, he's actually played. He's actually played he's getting better. better. He's gotten better the last, the past year. last year. I didn't realize how young he was. I thought Charles Swartzel was was forty two or forty three. 
36, 37. Like he's that not, is, I didn't know that either. That's surprising. Not that old, not as old as I w- expected him to be. I thought, I thought he's been around forever. So he must be, he won the, won the masters a lot younger than I thought. Yeah. That was what, 2011. Yeah. I think, um, the, the one positive, the only positive I will give so far to live golf is that there's no commercials because it's just streamed online yeah. and they don't have a TV partner and they don't have any sponsors. So they show a lot of golf. Yeah. And I, I did watch, I probably watched a combined hour of the footage um, just with the, with, within my trip, 20 minutes here in the morning, 20 minutes there kind of thing. Um, it was unimpressive to me. And I'm not just saying that as a honk that's against it. It was, it was just golf. It was just golf. The crowds weren't that big. There wasn't, they didn't seem to be like that much kind of juice. And it's just like, okay, I'm just watching another. You could have just told me it was the European tour event. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Andy Ogletree shoots 45 over or whatever the hell he did. And I think I could have actually competed with him out there. A couple of guys shot above 80. Yeah, um, yeah it was, there was nothing, there was nothing different about it, you know? And then, like I said, it had, it has, there's a couple, like you said, the couple, the items that could make it different would be the draft. Um, would be the mics, which I, that's at least that's what I read. I read that they were going to have everybody I, mic'd up and they I were going to try too. to tune yeah. in to these guys yeah. having conversations. And I, I don't, I watched way more of the live tournament than I did of the RBC. And I didn't, I don't think I heard one caddy player interaction the whole the time. I watched hours of it. One in the cup. What's that? The only microphone you heard was the one in the cup when they were talking. Yeah, the one in the cup. <laughs> the right. only microphone where I'm like, oh, that's a different noise. You normally don't hear all of that. No, it was it was terrible. There was not additional insight or access that the PGA Tour is not involved currently with. I I I think there were some concepts that need tweaking. I didn't necessarily mind the leaderboard. I heard there was a bunch of flack on the leaderboard, except for let let's get these abbreviations nailed down a little bit better. Yeah, I can't tell who the fuck any of these people are. It's one because I don't know who they are. Two, yeah. the abbreviations are so abbreviated that you, you don't know who ISWA is. It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, they, so they shortened it too much. They, yeah. they shortened that too much. Um, there were some, some aspects that I thought were unique, but the fact that they, like, I, I will say, I think the shotgun is a very unique format. It does change the way the golf course plays. The finishing holes aren't might not necessarily be the finishing holes, which yeah. is certainly different and offers maybe less drama in the part where we're used to seeing it. And I, I don't know that that's a bad thing, but I don't know that it's a good thing either. Um, it, it, it certainly plays a little bit different. At the same time, there were little things that you took away from me like, okay, I like where that's going but there was not as big of a difference from the PGA tour to any other golf tournament that we see, forget it. PGA tour, DP world tour, USGA fucking amateur event. Um, there wasn't the big difference that they promised. And I don't know if that product's yet to come. I don't know if they have plans to make it more interactive as I think we all assumed it was going to be. The only difference is the money. And which I means, which that, means nothing to the viewer. That doesn't provide a better no, 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 viewing no, no, product. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, no, it doesn't. But as a, but as watching it as a, a saying as a fan or as a player, 
like we keep going back and forth people i mean they're they're people like really upset that these guys went and played over here and took this took this money like which is bad i don't understand why you'd be so upset you know like jim nance used the word betrayal like jim nance if fox offered you a hundred million dollars would you go of course you would well are you you betraying cbs like that's a joke i think tomorrow I think their issue is not with the money. I think it's their issue is where the money is coming from, who the money is coming from. Which that's that's a joke in itself it. too. I mean, look I at how many that. look at how many corporate sponsors that we have that are really good at hiding where that money came from. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, oh, I know that they they say that everything is so nice and clean in the U.S., but I mean, Nike still makes all of their stuff in Indonesia, Taiwan, and China with child labor. Like, come on, they still do it. So, and I still wear Nikes. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to stand on my soapbox and preach. But I, I'm saying, like, look, the, the, the Saudis just may not be as as polished or as as quiet about where this money comes from. But we've got just as much corruptness here in the U.S. as as they do over there. It's well, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's about corruptness either. I think it's about how they actually treat people and the human rights over there, and the fact that they harbored terrorists from 9/11. And um, I, I, I think also, I, 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 trust me, Jay. I'm not trying to litigate every issue of the United States government or the, or, or the United States uh, corporations because that can go on and on and on. I completely agree with you, but that from that standpoint. But when you have a Saudi crown prince at the award ceremony shoving it in your face, and these are people that will legitimately not allow women in restaurants and to drive and to. I mean that's that's different than just being corporate corruption that you, we have here in the United States. This is I like, mean, but I, I understand that. But we're not that far removed from, and I'm not trying to make this like a a real political thing, but we're not that far removed from civil rights movement. I mean, women voting. Like I know that I know it seems like a long time for us, but we're not that far removed in the grand scheme of things. So they are probably a little further behind with a lot of this stuff, but. I, it's it's really not that different in the in the grand scheme of things. We're just a little bit further I, ahead. And I disagree well, with that, but and, and well, I'll say this though: in the U.S. media, it's way more popular to publicize atrocities from outside of our country than it is to publicize our own atrocities. So, with our human rights, I'm not saying we're near as bad as Saudi Arabia, but I can promise you that we do not know the half of it. All right. Well, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not looking to get. Let's 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 get out. We're getting off topic here. I'm not looking to litigate. United well, States. I mean, like- we're not getting that far off topic. I mean, this is this is a poignant part of why people are upset about people. Yeah, the it's, they, it's because they're the they're the they're the scum, and it's blood money these guys are taking. That's what the biggest issue is. Well, that, that, I mean, when you that, when you verbalize it that way, if you're gonna if you're gonna use those adjectives, then you need to make sure you pay attention to the grand grand scheme of things and and where, what we what we do on our end. You know, we're not the U.S. We're not perfect. I mean, we, we've got innocent. plenty of issues that we don't do well either. I'm Correct. not trying to. I'm not trying to. But the United States uh, government's also not them. But not, I'm also. I'm also not. I'm. I. I I'm not going to sit here and say you can't take that money because of this. And if if we want to really start pointing fingers, then they can be pointed everywhere. You know. Um, well, you also I, can't I just, blame someone for having a, a a different moral compass than others. Sure, sure. You, you and you you have a right to say, "Hey, I wouldn't do that." But if when you start really diving in and the negative, the negative talk to these and talking about some of these players that that decided to play over there, like like a, example, like Jordan Spieth walked up on the tee today and saw Kevin Na and he said, you know, said, "Hey, to to Jordan Spieth," and he turned and looked the other way, didn't even acknowledge that he talked to him. Now I don't know if that's Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I heard that was I heard that was blown out out of because he's a but. not Kevin Na can 
be a douchebag to people and he just maybe just doesn't like Kevin Ah. But if if guys are gonna have that that type of view on other players because he decided to do that, that's bullshit. Like that's that's absolutely bullshit. Why he like, can't he, feel that way? What's no, that you're gonna be rude and disrespectful to another player because they chose to to do something different with their career than you? Like just because you don't agree with them, you don't be a don't be an asshole. If they're not being an asshole to you, why would you be an asshole for them? That's that's ridiculous. Uh, like some like again like. Again, I go back to Jim Nance. Like for somebody with that stature who's that level-headed, for him to use those words, I think is was over the top. Betrayal is like well, he's he's word. there, but he's in bed with the PJ Tour, so it's betrayal to the PJ Tour for these guys to leave. Yeah, no, uh, to, but that's not him. He's he's with CBS. Yeah, like, I know, but, he, but they're all they're all in cahoots together. They all pay each other millions of dollars. They're all in cahoots together. They have they're a partner of the PJ Tour. The PJ Tour is a partner of theirs. Sure, but so is uh, Fox had the U.S. Open uh, a couple years ago. If they asked if Jim Nance to go for $100 million, why would he not do that? He would do it. I know he would. He's not an idiot. But would that be betrayal? I, no, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying, but I, that he's not talking about him taking another job at another corporation. He's talking about the guys with the partner that he deals with the PGA Tour. These guys leaving, he sees it as a betrayal. Uh, it still doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I don't know why okay. we would use that word betrayal. It, it doesn't doesn't add up. There's no. Well, I, so le leaving for another rival league is not betrayal. No, no. Oh, I mean, he, they, oh, it's not. They're, they're not. In, they're not married to the PGA if Tour. Offering me more money, I would leave for another golf company. If they're offering you more money, Mike, you'd leave for another golf it's, club. It, it's not the same, and I, I'm not. Do it's I'm not. I, 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 I wasn't. I was purposely actually not going to try to get fired up tonight. I was just, but. We're here. Let's fucking go. We're no, we're doing it. no. Like I, I really don't want to do this. I can't do this every fucking week. I can't. Um, <laughs> buddy, buddy. But think I, about I can't this right now. think about this. If an unnamed golf club in the Richmond community came to you with your love for the I, family, okay, I get, I get what you're gonna say. And they're gonna offer me a lot of money. Okay, I get that. Okay, you tell me that you don't have a number. All I'm saying is you can't tell me you don't have a number for your How? family. I, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. You love money. I got it. So, but where's the money coming from? In all, in all honesty, I, I would have a hard time if, if, if the fucking Taliban owned a golf club and they tried to hire me for 10 times my salary that would set up my family, I would have to think long and hard about where that money is coming from. And it would probably be against my moral judgment and my principles to go take money from them just because it's more money. At some point, you have to think of where the money comes from. And is, is it for you personally? Can you sleep at night? If these guys are fine with that, that's fine. If you guys are fine with them taking it, that's fine. I have an issue with it. I mean, you have a right to, to that, that opinion. It's but not just another club. We're not just talking about another tour taking these guys. <clears throat> It's it's this is called sports washing. You guys are in the process of being sports washed by the country of Saudi Arabia. It's sports yeah, washing one hundred and one. I keep hearing the, that that term being thrown around. It's just I don't. I think that's a bullshit made up term. That's it, it. It's okay. It is. I mean, I think it's stupid. Like it's it. If again, you you play golf. If they've got a tour that they're gonna they're gonna you know, put online for people to watch and fans want to watch it. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But if, Are if, you, if again, if that, if there's that money and you have the right to do that, you play golf wherever you can. It, it, look, guys have played in Saudi Arabia every year. They, they have events there every year. 
Yeah. Every so, year. Are we saying that like because every guy that played in Saudi Arabia and took money from them, they're bad people? Like they have an I'm event. I'm not saying every they're year. bad people. I'm just saying I would you not go over a- there up until now that everyone's talking about this and making a big deal three years ago? Would you have gone if somebody offered you to go play over there? Sure. I, 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 or, I'm not I'm not doing all the whataboutism either. Like we can do that. We can walk around in circles, all of us and all of our points can walk around in circles in the whataboutism on this. So how, how do we feel about the guys that go play basketball in Russia and China? They couldn't make it quite in the NBA. This is a different degree. This is where they get to go extend their careers because they're not able to play at the highest level. So they're actually taking less money to go play in Russia and China. How do we feel about them? I don't care about them because they're not some of the Why best not? players in the NBA leaving where to go they- over there. It's not affecting the product. What, what's that? That's not the argument. It's, is, it, is it justified to go take money from somewhere that you don't agree with. That was your argument. Yeah, I don't think it is. More or less. I'm not going to argue every case of every person going into every country that's bad. I'm not arguing every fucking case. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. You can do it. You can give me 900 examples. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I'm sorry, guys. I don't like to live golf. You guys are actually in a minority. The more, more I see about this, the more I read about this on my phone, more people disagree with this than you guys do. You're on the but, other no, side no, no, of this. No, no, no. I, I, I the, don't agree with you. You, I, you're, you I don't support. I don't. I don't care about the live tour. I don't care at all. I'm. I'm in support of the players having the right to go play where they want to play, and I don't think they should be ridiculed for doing so. And I don't think it's betrayal for them to leave the PJ tour. And I do think it's good to have some other tour for competition. That's what I've. That's the stance that I've taken, and I'll continue to take it. I, have, I do give two shits about the live tour. So. And when you say minority, I'm not in the minority where there's a lot more guys that just haven't spoken up. I mean, maybe in your your crew, that's what you're seeing and your group. But I don't think there's a lot of people who would if you offered them the money to go over there for that much money, they would take it. And I don't blame them for doing so. Well, uh, I wouldn't I say in the minority that, at all. I would argue that um, Jay and I so on the educated side of that argument versus the Internet, where half of you have out, half of what you have out there, if not 98. Wait, 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 wait. Don't call me uneducated, pal. I didn't call you. I said the internet. You said you're the educated side. I said Jay and I are on the educated side of it versus your internet argument that you just made to say that uh, what I'm seeing on the internet is you guys are in the vast minority. I don't know that the internet yeah. vote is the accurate one. I'm not calling you uneducated, Mike. That was that is that was ill. I am just saying what what the opinions I see from a lot of people online, and none of them. I'm not saying my friends or my. What? Group or people I hang out with, I'm saying a lot of opinions, way more opinions are against this than are for it. Trust me, I follow a lot of different people in the industry. I I do this a lot. I look at this stuff a lot. I'm not just following average Joe Blows saying what they're thinking about. I don't give a crap what some guy down the street thinks about live golf. I'm talking about people in the industry. Everyone is against this. I, I mean, I, I, I think yeah, I don't. I haven't seen that. So, but that's. I mean, I don't know where what sites or where who you're following. So that's fine. I mean, that's that's a, that's an opinion based, you know, view, and that's fine. You have the right to to say that, and I have the right to say the opposite. So I didn't say you didn't. No, no, I'm 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 just I'm acknowledging what you said. You you said we're in the minority, and I'm just agreeing with you. That's all, which is fine. I mean, we're not we don't agree on everything. Um, I just is, I, I just have again I I don't like this, and I think where the money comes from is a factor. And I'm not going to play the whataboutism and go around, around, around and, and talk about Nike and where shit comes from, because we can do that all day. I just don't like it. I don't agree with it. And for me to sit here and I'll, I'm almost going to put it as simple as this and take away Saudi Arabia from this. 
a product that the early adapters are Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, now Bryson, Patrick Reed. Some of the biggest douchebags in our sport are the early adapters, and it's run by Greg Norman. Just proves to me that, yeah, I don't want to support this. I don't want to support it. I mean, right. again, that's a, so, that's that's fair that you don't don't care for those guys, but there's plenty of people who who do like those guys. So I mean, that's but hang on, I, mean, I don't, hang on. I don't that's, a, that's a mute. And I, I just got to throw one thing out there. You say you're not, you don't care about the Nike argument and the sweatshops and all that shit because it's not that's not what we're here to argue right now. I can't argue no, all that. Here's the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. You can't have it both ways. You're either you're either an activist for this, and you're you don't like any blood money, and you don't want anything to do with that. Or you don't, because a lot of times that's the issue. When all of a sudden it gets put in our face about how much shit we accidentally support on a daily basis, it, it, it becomes surprising and it changes most people's view on certain certain items. But at the same time, you can't sit here and tell me, I don't want that blood money, but I don't care about the Nike sweatshop, all that shit, everything that we support on a daily basis. I'm not basis. taking their money, though. Have it both ways. We can't have it both ways. That's fine. Everyone can just do whatever they want, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> Well, that, and, and, and I can't have an opinion on it because people can do whatever they want. So, no, we we all have opinions, and that's, I'm that's not what, that's that. what we hear. That. That's why we're here. We do a we say. do an opinion based podcast <laughs> with but, some facts in there. You can't say I don't care about those human rights. I care about these human. You didn't rights. say I don't care about those human rights. I just can't care about it right now. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what we're here to do. I can't litigate every issue in this country with every corporation and every government in this world. I can't do that right now. I'm sorry, guys. I'm talking about this one specific thing. Well, I, I understand that. But I think what, what he's getting at is that if you can't have such a strong opinion on this because of those factors, if we're not acknowledging that there's the, there's a the flip side to that coin that we- I, I get that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of issues in this world and in this country, yeah. a ton. I get that. Okay. I get that. It's not all right. And you're right, McLean. I can't activate for everything. I wish I could, right? Because I, I like to think I have principles and morals and I stand for something in my life. And I'm trying to teach that to my, to my children. On this issue, we're talking about golf, the, the landscape of golf. The other competing organization is the Saudi government. I am not going to support the Saudi government. If you want to talk about sneakers later, we'll talk about sneakers later. But right now we're talking golf. I have a hard time supporting it. One, because I don't think it's going to help golf. We talked about this. I know you guys do. I don't think it's going to be good for the game. I think it's going to fracture the game. And, oh, by the way, it's run by the Saudi government, which makes it even worse. If it was another supporting, if it was another competing league that wasn't the Saudi government, I would probably say the same thing from the standpoint of I don't think it's going to be good for the sport and the betterment long term. It just adds to my negativity when it's the Saudi government. Gotcha. No, I, no I, that's fine. And I, I completely disagree on both of those, which is fine. We've already made that apparent that I think it actually will help the game in the long term. Will it help it tomorrow, this week, next, this year? You know, maybe not, because we all know if when, when we make a change, it obviously things get a little worse before they get ultimately better. Um, so I, I'm still a big proponent of, this challenge or these tours that will challenge the the day-to-day -day of the PGA tour and the the monotony of the 40 the 40 tournaments a year where we only see four or five uh you know events. I mean, I think it's just a perfect setting. Like we watched the RBC 
the Canadian Open because Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas were fired up because there was a contrary tournament this week. I don't watch the Canadian Open ever. But because these guys were jacked up about it and you had two of the best players in the world playing, everyone tuned in. And you can throw Tony Finau in there. <laughs> but, you know, again, that's that's again, that's my stance on it. And I do think it will help in, in the long run um, on the, in terms of the money. You know, I, I again, that I, I don't um, I, I just don't see I, I just it, it's I don't think it's fair to to try to criticize these guys for any of the, you know, the the conditions over there when. We've the guys play in in the Saudi uh, in the the Saudi or Saudi Arabian tournament every single year, and this has never been an issue. And now all of a sudden, when there's a competing tour, and guys go take this money, now it's you shouldn't take that money now because of of the the way how corrupt the government is and how they treat people. And I, and then you're right. I mean, they do. They have their issues. But why is that all of a sudden now the issue when it hasn't been for the last 20 years that they've the this the Saudi Arabian I, I think uh, I'm assuming gone every it's, year. It's because of the scale having one event is different. Yeah. And I, and again, I, and I, that's where I would argue as well. Like what, why is the scale? Why yeah, is you're the right. scale? Maybe, the it, maybe it shouldn't yeah. be different, but I think it brings it just more attention to it. I think yeah. no, a lot of people didn't, didn't notice that, uh, you know, a handful of guys from the PJ tour went over and played in Saudi Arabia yeah. because it was on it in the middle of the night when we we're sleeping and probably guys didn't notice or follow it as much as, as we do. But yeah. now that it's such big news and, and that also wasn't changing the landscape of golf as we know it. Yeah like this is. And so it's on a much grander scale, not only the, the, the whole, what they're talking about, and I, but, and, and, but I, I think that's, 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 a, that's a little hypocritical to now all of a sudden make such a big, sure. take a big stance on it. When, you know, Tiger used to, Tiger used to take two, $3 million in tee up money from the Saudis every year to go play in, in their event. And, and I understand Tiger's like, look, I'm, I'm I don't want to dive into this because, you know, and he's probably trying to keep his mouth shut because I'm sure somebody's going to bring it up at some point. Like, hey, Tiger, you know that you've made twenty million dollars off the Saudis just in tee up money for the years that you played in that event. Did he play in the Saudi International? I mean, I know he went he's and took played, money in Dubai, but I don't know if he took money from the Saudis. He's been. I know he's been. He's played over there a ton. I, I we'd have to go back and look and see exactly, but I know he's been over there in the Middle East a ton. Which Dubai is also man made, so that money came from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's try to get back into the actual tour and not the money in these guys. As far as it sounds like, obviously they're allowed to play this week at the U S open. It sounds like they're probably going to be able to play at the British open. Um, it sounds like they haven't had to, had to make a stance yet, but it sounds like the PGA of America is probably going to ban these guys would be my guess. Just based off of some yeah. of the reading yeah. between the lines of the comments that they've come out with over the last handful of months. There's now multiple reports out there that the Masters was going to ban these guys. Um, I heard one rumor that Danny Willett wanted to join the Saudi League, called Augusta, asked for what they would do, and they said, yeah, you can't come back here if you go on that tour. And he has, as of right now, has chosen not to go on the Saudi tour um, because of that. And there's been a couple other golf journalists that said that, that they're hearing the same thing, that Augusta will ban them. And we might not hear that announcement for some time yeah. now, knowing Augusta. We might not hear that until... November, December, January, yeah. even from them. There's the other thing. And really, this is what, again, just talking about it from a golf standpoint in the landscape of golf, the PGA Tour has to put their hopes on 
because I think it's going to fracture golf. I, I think a couple more, we all know more guys are going over there with, uh, like I said, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Pat Perez. There's reports that uh, I'm really surprised Coke Rock's not on that thing yet. I, that's really whole thing surprising uh, yeah, me. I thought he, I thought he committed. <laughs> so I heard, I heard, I, I saw a report. Um, I forget from who on a journalist on um, social media that, that they heard that Coke Rack um, was holding out for more money. He didn't like the offer that he got from them. That's why he's not there yet, which is just remarkable because, dude, you're Jason Coke Rack. You have a couple wins. Like, who do you think you are? Um, well, I did hear that he is expected to tee it up in the next event along with Pat Perez, Ricky Fowler's deal's not done. Um, and there's one more. Varner. No, what Varner wasn't on that list. So Varner's a, Varner's a name that I've seen a couple uh, instances. Of I, people. Have, I have seen that, but I did see a report from Sky Sports from the live event, and they did not mention Varner, but they did mention total of six guys that are also defecting. And so it's, you know, guys are going to go over. And I, I think there's definitely some guys that are planting their flag with a PJ tour that are not going to go over. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know what the PGA's play is. I'm not sure Monahan has played this very well. I, I don't think he knows what to do. Uh, not like I do either, but um, there's, there's either one avenue or two avenues. Either you call the, if you're that concerned, if you're the PGA tour, call the PGL, make a deal with them. Right. That's one way to yeah. kind of save the tour, save face yeah. a little bit, give the players what they want. And maybe you can cut sides at their knees. You make a deal yeah. with, with DJ and Phil and these guys, Bryson, and these guys come back and you, and you make that deal with the PGL, the premier golf league that we've, we've talked about and, and do that's, their model where the players have ownership and it goes that's even, the even best feeds, option feeds <clears throat> down to the corn ferry tour. Um, if you don't do that, I think you got to put your hat on the uh, OWGR. Right now, these guys are not getting it's OWGRZ uh, official world golf rankings. Right now, they're not getting any points in the live events. Um, and it sounds like it could even take up to two years if you look at the OWGR's process. They say you need to be, you know, a sustainable tour for a minimum of 12 months before they even would consider points. The yeah. other two issues live golf has hurdles to get over is they do have language in there about it needs to be a 72 hole event and there needs to be a minimum of a certain number of players. And so now I think they made a um, exception years ago for Tigers hero event that has like 24 guys down at the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It was bounced around a couple of locations, but I think that has official world ranking points. Yeah. That you get world ranking points for that. Tournament. And so if the OWGR board does not approve the live golf guys, the live tour to get world ranking points, these guys are going to just keep losing points because it's a two year cycle. Yeah. So they're going to just start dropping further and further <laughs> and further down the world rankings, which is then going to put them out of out the of majors. majors. Even if all four majors said, yes, you can play yeah. at some point, their points are going to be so far down that they're not going to get in. I think most of the majors are top 50 or top 60 in the world to get in automatically they're not going to be there anymore um so that's kind of what the pga tours right now in my eye kind of holding their hat on now granted jay monahan's on the board for the owgr um but all these guys the, the dp world tour the usga the pga the rna they're all represented mm -hmm. uh, and have a seat at the board um i think i forget who else it's like i think augusta has a seat 
on the board. Um, Peter Dawson's the chairman who used to be the former head of the RNA. So it, uh, it that's I don't know. That's just for again, we'll, we'll take the 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 politics and the money aside. That's kind of how I see this moving forward is is where this goes is you're going to have a few more guys move over in the next few months. And then it's just going to be a fractured tour. And like like you guys said, you, you think it could be good. We may not know for two years if it's yeah. good or bad or three years if it's good or bad. Yeah. Um, we might be in a state of unrest in awkward times and we don't know when we'll have a settlement to this argument of, of is it good or is it bad? But um, yeah, I don't know. One thing I can say on your side, Mike, it will not be considered elite with the stingers and the crushers and the fireballs leading the way. That I can say without question. It's not elite. That's no, not it just it just seems like a, an exhibition. I think even John Rom said that today. He came out pretty harsh against it in his press conference at the U.S. Open, um, and I and I agree with him. I don't agree with a lot of John Rom what he says, but he it it just it just seems kind of hokey to me. Um, you're you're not incorrect about that, but at the same time, if these checks keep cashing we know that we are going to get more players now in a in an ideal world i think this could end up being a co-branded series where we do feature eight weeks or 10 weeks of the top ranked players on a very elite team or a very elite squad but it, it it's not gonna it's not gonna happen under the stingers umbrellas and crushers that that yeah. that that's not gonna that's that's just it does not have legs. Well, and the other thing too yeah. is one, I'm surprised I thought they were I thought I was told that they were supposed to be wearing like team uniforms and hats and they were all just wearing what they normally wear, which I thought well, was weird. They look, they can't I thought about that as well. And without question, the league can't all of a sudden start impacting the sponsorships that were already in place for these guys. No, I, I get that. Yeah. So ultimately they had to abandon that thought. You know, we saw I think a couple of the amateurs that did have their team hats on that's because uh, those guys like james piot he actually signed an nil deal with live golf good that's, for him so, he's, Matt, so he is getting paid for that logo and good he's for actually him. wearing his he's the defending usm champ he's in the field this week at brookline he's actually wearing the live golf team hat because in the he's us open in the us open damn that's crazy that's i awesome. think uh kudos to live for getting that done good. To both of your your points there, and Mike, you 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 gave two options there for you know the success of professional golf and the PGA Tour. I think the Premier Golf League is just sitting and waiting for uh, you know maybe the money to dry up with the the Saudis or something to happen for this to implode or their or their you know their chance to kind of sneak in and and work a deal out with you know, Jay Monahan and the PGA tour. I'm like, Hey, look, this is not going to go away. There's going to be plenty of people are going to keep doing this until we find a way to make it work. And we work together and we're here. We want to make this work. Let's have our 12 events, you know, off, off week events from, you know, maybe your normal schedule. Let's try to make this work so we can, you know, coexist. Um, and if you don't, I mean, they're out to, they're out to get the PGA tour at this point. Like, there's plenty of people and there's plenty of money out there and may not be the Saudis and maybe somebody else, but they're trying to make it happen and they're trying to steal some of the market share. So I, I think it would be in, in the PGA tour and Jay Monahan's best interest to try to align themselves with somebody 
Um, and, and and obviously, that's it, not going to happen with the Live Tour. They, they, there's too much well, bad the, blood there. The hardest. No um, but yeah, I think the Premier Golf League, if they attack it the right way, and if they if they can come to some agreement on on a model that makes sense, then it could be the perfect change of pace for the off events for the PGA Tour that no one wants to watch, um, but still. Well, what I would still what I would say. Value. So I think that the, the part that struggles with the PJ Tour is they don't have the money to compete with the Saudis. It's they just can't compete money wise there. Yeah, just can't do it. There's there's no chance. And, and I, I, uh, I'm not going to use his name. I, I got texted from a source today, who's I'll say connected on the PGA Tour. He is he is hearing that a lot of the organizers of these individual events on the PGA Tour are worried for a different reason. They're worried that the PJ Tour is going to start to increase their purses a ton to try to keep these guys. But by doing that, they're not going to continue their charitable endeavors. The PJ Tour is a very charitable organization. Mm-hmm. They give more to local charities than the four major sports combined in the yeah. United States. And what my source is hearing is these people are concerned that they're going to try to bump up the purses, take away what they're giving to the local charities when they go to the certain, you know, cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to hurt these communities. And so the PJ tour, I, I would hate to see that as well. Um, but they just, even that, even then they still don't have the money to compete with paying fiddle $200 million. Hurt these, these sponsors. Cause these, these sponsors get tax tax deductions when they give you know their big checks. So if they know this money's not going to be you know put towards charity yeah. in the right way, then they they lose the benefit as well. So that's that's the other that's in the back end. That's their their view on it. Like, hey, if I'm um, given X amount for the to the PJ Tour and I know it's going to charity and towards part, portion towards the purse, then I know I have have a tax benefit attached to it. And if it's not going to that, then then well, I'm out. And so I, I, I think their best bet is to go get in bed with the PGL. And I'm not crazy about that model because, like I said, I'm not crazy about the, the no-cut 48 players thing. Um, I'm not crazy about the shotgun thing. The only benefit I see from a shotgun is from a TV coverage standpoint, like when you watch golf on Thursdays and Fridays. They're all on the course of the same time. They're all time. on the course of the same time. So you get them on TV where if – if Rory McIlroy's in the early wave on Thursday, you don't see him. You get to see highlights yeah, of it, or you have to have the subscription to PJ Tour Live, you know, streaming yeah. stuff to see it. Um, yeah. So from that standpoint, it, it helps the viewing on a Thursday, Friday, you know, scenario. On the weekend, I don't like the shotgun start. I, I, I just I think it loses the flow of the competitive nature of the event. Of where is someone finishing? When are they finishing? that whole scenario yeah yeah you know, I, I, I even the shotgun starts a little weird i'm not gonna lie like what if i'm two shots back and i and i'm finishing on two easy par fours and and i know that the the leaders are finishing on 17 and 18 and those are two really difficult holes yeah. and i got that out of the way early in my round like it it it, it takes away from the evening the playing field and evening the conditions when you do the shotgun start in my yeah. opinion um so, I get it I from a TV not, standpoint early, but yeah. Um, I'm not crazy about that. I, I, did, um, I didn't totally miss I, – I, I didn't dislike that totally. I mean, you got to see 
everyone at one time and you got to see all the best golf and they did some good catch up. That, that is the benefit for sure. And, and, and I definitely got that, but it, it makes the golf course play different. You know, the finishing holes aren't the finishing holes. It's, it's yeah, very yeah. different from that aspect of it. Yeah. And I don't know that it, I don't know that they have a golf course that's been designed where this can make a big impact. I do think there's the ability to potentially design golf courses where this shotgun format all of a sudden becomes maybe a little bit more unique, maybe a little bit more dramatized. But if you are, if you don't have guys, if, if for example, if you have a guy starting on 18 and that's the, the key finishing hole to a golf course, it doesn't get the proper recognition, attention, or drama. It, it just won't. Yeah. If someone's it's first just hole awkward. Like, Oh Without, man, this, this guy started up. on four. You still got you still got to play one, two, and three, and one on most golf courses yeah. is an easy easy handshake kind of thing. And you're like, I don't yeah. know, like a lot of golf courses, you, you crescendo to eighteen, right? Or there's there's yeah. risk reward coming down the the yeah. line, or you go to you know, look at Quail Hollow, you get the Green Mile. There's three really badass hard holes to finish around there. And if the guy, you know, made the turn there and he finished those on yeah. nine, it's just not the same ebb and not flow same. of. Of that's, what you're normally it. supposed to, and how the architect designed the golf course to, to play. So uh, that's exactly that's true, right. Yeah. And also shifting gears slightly, they're only going to lose money for so long. Without question, they lost money this last week. Without question, the the well, crap. The other. Did you guys have a? Did you guys have a disruption in coverage? It's. I know. I think it was Friday. I turned it on. I watched uh, quite a bit on Thursday. Not not quite a bit. I mean, I had it on at the office, um, so it was kind of in the background. But and then on Friday, I tried to turn it on and um, and see what was going on. And it and I, it was like three hours. It was just out. Internet wasn't working. Like the that site wasn't working. I couldn't get it to come up. Oh I no, was, I didn't. I had some jumping in and out, but that just could have been my Wi-Fi. So I don't. I don't know. But I, I was, did. I was, I was on Wi-Fi everywhere else. Just that site was not working for uh, me. Yeah. They need to fix that out if that's how they're going to stream the thing. Yeah, I also heard at one point they didn't even have a leaderboard on their website. People are having a hard time finding the leaderboard to it. Yeah, I, I did have a trouble. I was like, I, when I clicked on it, it was like watch live golf, and I was like, okay, just I just want to see where everybody's where everybody's at. And I yeah, I think it. I read something that they had to add that after the fact, like after the first round had started, they realized they didn't have a live leaderboard on the website. That's not good. Um, there were a lot of things that I don't think they realized until after the fact. That why don't we have this or why don't we have that? That seemed certainly overlooked. And now, one la- first event, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that certainly seemed overlooked. One- I also want to know that everyone got their checks on Monday, like they do on the PGA Tour. I didn't yeah. have that yet, but I, I I want to know when everything got paid out. <laughs> That's a good question. It's a question. Um had another point there, but all right, let's let's we've been on this for way longer than I wanted to be. Um, we gotta get to the US Open, boys. It's US Open week. All right, I'm wearing I got a new t-shirt here, wearing it. <laughs> it's the uh, state of Massachusetts with the US Open logo. I'm like jacked up. Boot. Uh yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> um still surprised Ev's going to Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lives going to Massachusetts. Uh, on a side note, for that, real fast, I may try to put in for a media credential for that event and see what happens. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I'm also- put in for the uh, season ender at uh, in Miami. Oh, is that where it is? Oh, yeah, Doral. Yeah. Um, but anyways, U.S. Open. I, I legitimately have been excited for this week. 
at this event or this venue for years since they announced it. Um, it's one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, yes, I did work there and lived in the locker room. I think I've told that story on this podcast, but oh, never heard it before. Uh, the U S open is at the country club, the country club in Brookline, mass, just four or five miles outside of Boston. Um, so I wanted to give people kind of a, a breakdown. Cause I think this is a, a different venue, a very, very different venue, not only for the viewers, but also for the players, it is as old school as it gets. So we're going to do a little bit of history lesson. I even might share my screen with you guys so you can see because the routing for this championship is like you've never seen before on how they create this golf course that they're going to be playing. Um, so they're changing it from the normal routing. I did not know that. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to show you. It's it's wild. And they've actually changed up some of the hole numbers from when I was there. Um, so even me, like when I watch it this weekend, I'm like, wait, there, okay, this is the eighth hole. Oh, wait, th- that was really the 14th hole when I was there. And so, um, but it's the first country club. There's some arguments on that, but it's one of the first country clubs in America. It was 1882. It's 140 years old, this place. Uh, it was one of the five founding members of the USGA. So it's at the cornerstone of starting American golf. Probably one of the most important clubs um, that we have. It's, I forget the number of members. It's a big club. There's probably 1,500, 2,000 members at this club, even though it's very exclusive. Of course. Um, so there's 27 holes. Oh, they got a nine, another nine holes. Are they using holes. Por- portion of that nine for this tournament? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Really? It's wow. crazy. Um, so actually, the, and there's no real architect for this golf course that has their name on it. There's about five or six different guys that have touched this golf course. The first six holes were designed by the members of the club. And it was a six hole golf course. It started actually, they had a racetrack. They had all this kind of other stuff, six hole golf course. Then, um, Willie Campbell, a Scott came over was the, the club pro. He expanded it and designed it to nine holes. They, they then a couple of years later, he helped them develop it into 18 holes. Then years later, they added nine more, which is called the Primrose nine to make it 27 holes. There used to be a horse track in the middle of it. So where one and 18 are, there was also a horse track intermingled in these holes. Um, and so you can kind of see it from an aerial of kind of basically one and 18 make an oval. There's actually the, the driving range for the members is in between, which is now hospitality for the tournament. But one and 18 was essentially the horse track. Um, this is a club that they do because golf is very limited in New England. Um, with how many months of the year they have every kind of racket sport you can imagine at this place. They probably have 12 to 15 buildings on property. They have every tennis, squash, pickleball, you name it. They have it. They got obviously swimming pools. Um, they have, they do skeet shooting in the winter. They do cross country skiing. There's hikers, all the ponds. They turn into ice skating rinks and hockey links. They have curling in the winter. Um, it's just a very active membership. These, these people do a ton of things other than just golf. Um, most people know the country club for probably two things. One, obviously 1999 Ryder cup, um, the miracle big comeback. Um, Justin Leonard makes the putt on 17. Ben Crenshaw's, uh, was captain kissing the green. And then obviously, hopefully you're aware of Francis. We met's victory in 1913. Um, some people think is the single most important event in American golf history. 20-year-old caddy who lived across the street. His house is still there. The club has recently bought the house and is turning it into a little bit of a museum. It's legitimately right across the street from the 17th green. 
which is cool because that has played that that hole has played a pretty much a pivotal role in every event that they've had there. Um, he beats uh, Harry Varden, Ted Ray, two Brits came over, top guys in the in the world at that time, got into a playoff. He had ten year old Eddie Lowry on the bag. He was twenty year old caddy, amateur, poor kid, and and wins it, and then it kind of changed the the landscape of of golf. Um, and then in America. Third- Curtis Strange beating Nick and then Adam. third yeah. Curtis Strange US Open, wins so. the nineteen eighty eight. Um, most people <laughs> most people think of the Country Club for that's how I remember. Yeah, Brooklyn, that's how you remember. But... It. And it's it's great. I actually watched a, a a cool video today that the USGA put out. They did an interview with Curtis. Um, they just put it out a yeah. few days ago. Um, kind of rehashing his his victory, and he was kind of looking back at some of the highlights from each round. And he was talking about his feelings, and uh, there was a couple of cool stories he told. He um, so his brother, Alan, who's an identical twin, decided Saturday night or Monday morning to fly up for the playoff with Faldo. And it was him and his uncle, uh, Jordan Ball. They fly in. They get around a car. They drive over to the golf course. And they realize, oh, shit, we don't have tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so Curtis and Alan's uncle goes, goes, hey, Alan, get in the driver's seat and pull in the front gate. Well, they thought it was Curtis pulling in for the event because he's an identical <laughs> twin. And so the guard at the gatehouse just goes, hey, Curtis, welcome. Good morning. Go kick his ass today. And they just let him on in. <laughs> That's awesome. And then That's Alan awesome. was Alan was out on the putting green before Curtis had come out. Alan's out on the putting green drinking Budweiser's. <laughs> and everyone thought it was Curtis just slugging beers beforehand at like 1030 in the morning. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy prepares like I do. <laughs> and it was just Alan. I mean, and they, I've known I've known both of these guys for 25 years. And. They even today, like I, I, like it's still. I still have to catch myself because they do still look so much alike, and they sound alike too, which makes yeah, it they even do sound harder. Alike. Yeah, so it's 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 tough, but that's that's a great story. I didn't I didn't hear that. I, that my the, I wish we had Curtis on here to to kind of talk about the golf course, but I, I do remember him saying that it was multiple times in that in that um that playoff round with Faldo that he would hit it in the bunker on purpose. And I think he even did that on that last hole that he got up and down. He was like, look, I, he, the only way he felt that he could get up and down was to hit it in that greenside bunker on he the got, last hole. He got up and down out of that greenside bunker all four days. That's incredible. Thursday, and, Friday, and, Saturday, Sunday, he hit it in that greenside bunker short of number 18 and got up and down every single time. And they showed every single one and he hit all of them to like a foot. Yeah. I mean, it's just, inc- I, mean, I remember playing with Curtis and him teaching me and showing me, uh, you know, his, the way that he played bunker shots. And I didn't, I don't play him the same way, but I've always tried to do it and I can't do it the way he, he did does, a great one. Um, I mean, he was one of the, one of the, had one of the best short games that I've ever seen. I mean, obviously great clutch putter. I mean, he was probably Curtis before in between like Jack and Tiger. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to put, Curtis on that same pedestal, but like when it came down in, in the eighties and when it came down to the clutch putt, like he was the man, like he was the man when it came down to like getting up and down and making a clutch putt. I mean, he always did it. Like they showed as much as they come for some reason, they showed a bunker, a bunch of bunker shots in this highlight package. Uh, and he was hitting some phenomenal ones. So in he, I don't think he went hit it in the greenside bunker on 18 in the playoff, but he hit it in the greenside bunker on 17 in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And he got it up and down again, hit it to like a foot 
Faldo misses like a 10 foot par putt and that expanded the lead to, I think it was either two or maybe even three shots going down 18 and he kind of cruised down 18 yeah. as, as the winner, but him getting up and down. I don't know if Faldo, maybe he might've three putted 17. Um, you know, you, you're thinking, okay, maybe he can, he can, you know, close in on this gap a little bit here, but he got up and down on 17 um, as well. So yeah, every, every bunker shot they showed was just like, just flipped it right out to perfect a, a foot. It was just buttery. <laughs> You know what, and, and not to get too much on technique, but it's just kind of cool to hear. I mean, this is a two-time major champion, like trying to tell me how to hit bunker shots, and I'm like, I'm like a sponge. I'm like, whatever you say, I'm <laughs> I was like, I'll do it, I will do it. And you know, for me, I'm I'm always been kind of a handsy kind of player, short game. I have a lot of hands, and he was like, oh, you too much hands, too much hands, too much hands. So his whole thing with bunker play was like, you know, knowing that you want to have the you want to use the balance and kind of throw the club head through. He would open the the hell out of the the face, at least from what I remember. And he is like no hinge. He's like open it up, but no hinge because that makes it that much easier for you to to kind of oh. have that club head kind of really throwing through and use the balance. Um, and it, it was I, I I don't do it as good as uh, I don't and I didn't do it as well as he did it. But it was it was it was really cool to hear. Anytime you hear a professional golfer give you their insight, especially you know a major two-time major champion and a Ryder Cup captain, to tell you how they how they hit bunker shots, who arguably one of the best bunker players of all time, um, it was just super cool. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I was like, why why do gonna, I do it my way? This way sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try that next time. <laughs> yeah, he would just. I mean, literally, he would just open. He was he'd open the hell out of it, and then he would like. It was almost like he tried not to hinge it on the backswing, and then like just kind of Jason Day or Steve Stricker yeah, kind of motion. Exactly. Jason Day is is a really good pretty good bunker, bunker player. player too. Too. Very similar, yeah. very similar approach. But anyway, uh, it obviously worked for him that week. Yeah, I guess he did all right. Yeah, he's in the, he's in the Hall of Fame, and we're yelling at each other on a podcast. <laughs> um. But yeah, just so some other cool events that they've hosted. Uh, Julius Burroughs won the 1963 Open, um, also in a playoff. So every almost every Open they've hosted, we met Julius Burroughs, Curtis Strange. Actually, that, that is the three U.S. Opens that they've hosted went into a playoff. So maybe we'll get a playoff this week. Um, That'd be awesome. He won over Palmer and a guy named Jackie Cupit. Cupit. Uh, but then Jay Siegel won the AM there in 1982, one of the all-time great uh, AMs in our game. Um, and then most recently, Matthew Fitzpatrick, he won the USAM there in 2013. So there are like, I forget how many, six, seven, eight guys that are in the field this week that were playing in that USAM. I know um, Scotty Scheffler, uh, Corey Connors, I think lost in the, in the semis to Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, but JT was in it. He didn't make, um, make it to match play. But yeah, so there's a handful of guys that do have a little bit of experience, even though it's a pretty new golf course for um, not only all the viewers, but uh, most of the golfers as well. So, but, so the the routing is completely you know, back to what you were saying. The routing is completely different. Com- completely different. Course. So they have the the main golf course. If if you were to get invited by a member to go play there, you're you're playing. They don't even really have a name for it. They call it the Clyde and Squirrel Nines, but that's just kind of the main. You go play eighteen holes, you're going to play that. There's also what they call the Primrose Nine, which is um, a little bit further away on property, and it's just a nine hole golf course. Um, so you can play either or whatever, but for the championship, so they played the original 18 for the 1913. We met open since then they've been using a composite ever since 1963. Um, and it is wild and they've even changed it. So this year they've eliminated one hole and added another hole from what was played in the Ryder cup and even in the, 
2013 US AM. So let me, I'm going to share my screen because this is, won't work out well for the viewer or for the listener, excuse me. Um, but it will for you guys to kind of see how this works because it is. You should post that, uh, post the screenshot of that to, tomorrow when you, I know that we're, we're, we're talking about editing the podcast, but you should post it tomorrow so people can see it. So it's right. cool. Can you see this? Yeah. You see my screen. All right. Yeah. So um, let me go. Here's the clubhouse. So we got number one. I'm not going to go like in depth on all the holes, but just kind of give you an idea. Number one is dog leg left here long. Uh, the cool part about it is you'll see this week is the putting green is mowed right into the first tee. That's cool. And even the whole short game area is all kind of right there mowed right into the first tee. Um, but it's long. I mean, it's probably 480, 490 they're playing. Um, I wouldn't say the hardest hole on the golf course by any means. It's pretty flat. It's the most flattest. But, and then you can see 18 on this other side here. And this is where the horse track was. And you can see it's pretty much just in a noble shape. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Totally. Can see the that. driving range for the members is now all hospitality for the event. Um, then this is where it already starts to change. So number two is a short par four, like 300 and yards for the members the guys are playing it as a 215 yard par three this week oh, they've been wow. doing that for a while so two gets converted into a par three they then play three which goes down here kind of shares a fairway um with another hole that we'll get to here but three is probably my one or two favorite holes in the golf course the whole golf course is rugged it's rough it's an old school new england golf course the land wasn't moved, right? And it's just rocky outcroppings. They just fit the holes in between and over, and that's what it is. And even after all these renovations, Reese Jones has has messed with it a little bit over the years. Cork Crenshaw did it just briefly. Gil Hans most recently has been doing it, but they haven't really moved any land, which has been awesome and kept it unique. Um, and so this hole, there's a ton of blind shots in this golf course. There's probably 12 blind shots, either into greens or off the tees that these guys have to deal with. And they don't do very well with that. The greens are small. Um, Hans added 20% square footage to the greens. And they're still the second smallest greens these guys will ever play. Pebble beach is the only one that's smaller. Um, these wow. are about 42, 4,400 square feet, uh, which is way smaller than what they typically play on the PGA tour or the live golf tour. Um, <laughs> and so it's just going to be different and awkward for these guys. Uh, there's a lot of fescue, um, bluegrass, the greens of Poana bunkers are some awkward size bunkers where you could get some funky lies. They're not really, some of them are high faces, but some of them are pretty low where the ball just kind of just gently falls in and you're kind of up against the edge a little bit where it's not rolling all the way down to the bottom. Um, so you might see some awkward lies in some of these bunkers, but it's just, it's, it's awkward. It's a par 70. It's about 7,200 yards. So it's not the longest, um, for these guys, but it's going to kind of be about it's still pretty, precision. pretty long considering the fact that it's uh, so unique with small greens. I mean, I'm sure that the fairways are going to be narrowed in yeah. the thick rough. I mean, it's going to be pretty, you know, typical U S open, but not, I love that. I love that they're, they're playing this, this golf course, um, and they haven't been there in obviously in a really long time, but it's just fun for them to play some of these shorter, more unique golf courses with a lot of character and it's a ton different. of character. It's, yeah. Like, and then that's, what's kind of tough about like even our, our picks and, and everyone else that trying to make picks for the week. Like th there's no history. Yeah. There's none. You know, really. There's no history for these guys playing a golf course like this. Some of these guys, 
this will be the first time ever playing a, a a championship style golf course that with this age and and this much character. They've never played anything like this. So that that's the tough part. You you take a guy who's maybe in the top ten in the world golf rankings that hasn't played a golf course like this in their life, or 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 maybe only a handful of times. And they, they're completely like out a of fish sorts. out of water. Like yep. they have no idea how to play this. And then you yeah, take, fish out of water. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, they yeah, they just they like, really will be. Completely, they're like, wow, I, I don't even know what to do here. Like, this green is so small. Like, and, and then you take somebody, I hate to say it, but you take somebody like Phil Mickelson, who's played a bunch of these classic golf courses in the Northeast and could say, you know what? Hey, these three holes don't even hit the green. Don't even yeah. try to hit the green. Miss it, miss it on the short, short, short left side here when the pin's here. Miss it long, long right or long left when the pin's here. I mean, you know, you've obviously been there. Yeah. I mean, these some of these courses in the Northeast, the greens are so unique, and and there's so many little quadrants, and and even though they're small, you have to miss it, you know, on the right and the correct side, and and you have to stay below the hole. On I would imagine on most of these. Holes. Yeah, I, I mean, they're it. they're pretty slopey. They're not like I wouldn't say undulating. There's not a bunch of humps and bumps, but they're very slopey. Um, they kind of almost some of them will pitch at an angle. So not necessarily, you know, back to front. A lot of them are back to front, but some of them are, are kind of shaped at an angle and then pitched at an angle. So mm-hmm. if everything's going to run, you know, it's going to land front right and it's going to roll to the back left. And then you're going to have uh, eight feet of break coming back to it. Um, so they're going to be tough from that point, which then obviously makes it when you do miss the greens, dealing with that much slope, trying to control it out of this thick rough is going to be um, challenging around the greens. Yeah. So after you play the third hole, this is where you then skip the fourth hole. The fourth hole is a very short hole for the par, uh, par four, uh, probably drivable for most of these guys. They're not playing that hole this year. They played it in the in the in Curtis's Open in '88. They played it in the Ryder Cup in the USAM. They're not playing the fourth hole. The fifth hole huh. is a beast. This now becomes the fourth hole. Really hard hole, blind tee shot, fairway kind of cambers away from you where you're landing it. Um, based off of your shot shape, green cambers away from you. The fifth hole, normally the sixth hole, is 310 yards, drivable hole. But the thing is, if you're going to go for it, you better hit the green because it's going to be yeah. tough around the edge. And then the awkward part is if you're going to lay up, you seriously almost need to just hit it barely into the fairway because it's so severely uphill. If you were to land it in the middle of the fairway, just short of the bunkers there, it's such a severe uphill lie. I mean, it's that's awkward. If you want any kind of yeah. flat lie, you, these guys will probably will legitimately, if they want a flat lie, will hit a seven iron off the tee box. Yeah. Um, wow. I would anticipate most guys are going to go for it and try to hit it up here into the neck. Um, but so that's a good little drivable hole. Again, normally is six will be five this year. Then we go over to the par three, six hole, really tough. Hole. I forget the yards are going to play this. I know they've lengthened it since I've been there. Um, kind of a plateau green. They took a bunch of trees down around it. So the visuals are actually a little more challenging. It almost kind of looks like an infinity green, even though it's probably the biggest green on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Then eight turns into seven. Um, this was a lot of drama. Sergio chipped in here in the 99 Ryder Cup. Um, Tiger chipped in in the singles match in the 99 Ryder Cup here. Used to be eight, now turns into seven. All right. Now bear with me. This is where things get weird. So next to number. This hole here, this is normally number nine. This turns into the driving range. So does number 10 next to it. Nine and 10 are now the practice facility for the golf tournament. They oh, do wow. not play those holes. 
um, for an expanded target green, expanded teeing green, uh, teeing area. This is now practice area for the event. So they go from old eight, now seven. They come over to here to this long par five, which is normally 14. Um, oh. We'll play as number eight. Cool par five. Um, used to have an old quarry here that you would drive over. Going to be reachable for these guys. However, there's a severe false front. And if the, you hit this false front, the ball's coming back. Like maybe eight, maybe 80 yards. Oh, gosh. Um, actually, our boy so, Cal- Callum Taron posted a video of him dropping a ball in the front of that green today. And it just taken off. He's like, bye-bye. And this thing just took yeah. off forever back down. So this uh, routing, uh, eliminating nine and 10 and making another driving range. Is that what they did for the 88 us open? Yes. Is that the same, yep. same routing. Okay. okay. So, so they didn't play at nine and 10. However, uh, this par five, that is going to be the eighth hole this week was the 14th hole that week, uh, 14th hole during the Ryder cup and the, the USAM. So this used to be uh, 14 on the main course. It used to be 14 on the composite course is number eight this year. Gotcha. Then you now are going to go to the other golf course. Oh, wow. so the ninth hole, is actually the ninth hole on the Primrose course. I think people are going to get pissed with this hole this week. Oh. There's, there's a massive mound in this fairway that's about 270 yards off the tee. If you oh, get it, yes. yeah, there's been a lot of video on, on social media of guys dropping balls, and they don't have any, pretty much any rough along the water's edge. And if the ball gets over that crest, it's rolling another 30 yards straight into the water. So they're going to have to lay way back and hit like a 220 yard shot off the tee. Cause if they try to challenge that big mound in the middle of the fairway, it's pretty much in the water. So I think some guys are going to get ticked off with that, especially if it starts to get firm and fast. It doesn't look like there's any, any rain in the forecast. They're talking about some, some decent wind. So it could get baked out a little bit. I think this could be a hole where guys are like, no, screw that. So that's the ninth hole. It's, it's number, number nine on the primrose. We're going to come back to the primrose in a second. We're then going to walk over here. This used to be number 11. It becomes number 10. Another really cool golf hole. This is normally a par five for the members. Um, it's a 505-yard par four for these guys. You have to hit over two massive rock outcroppings. It's about a 290-yard carry or so um, into this fat here. And then you're hitting uphill to a severely small plateau green that you can't see where the ball is landing. Um, there's a old footage from the 99 Ryder cup. Um, Davis love hit a drive on top of this rock up here. They were playing it as a par five that year. And then he hit it to like a foot and made Eagle, um, in the singles, um, to kind of, you know, just keep the momentum going. Then this is where some new changes are because they took out the fourth hole. They're adding, the 11th hole, normally the 12th hole, tiny little posted stamp green, 120 yard downhill par three with bunkers around it. And then a drop off into a penalty area, kind of back and right. Cool little hole, but kind of curious to see how that plays. And that, that hole has not been used. I think since the 1913, um, us open was the last time that hole was used in a USGA event. That's the addition. That's the addition for taking out the fourth hole. Gotcha. Then, um, so where are we? So that's now 11, 12, tough, tough hole. Green is severely pitched. There's a bunch of gumdrops kind of short of the green here. Can't run the ball up on a lot of these greens. Um, then we go to Primrose again. This is where it gets goofy again. So this is Primrose one. It's a sharp dog leg left. However, they don't play to the first green. They're going to play the Primrose number two green, which is a short little par three. 
So they actually used two holes to make one hole. Wow. So, so guys they, could actually lay up or hit a drive into the where the previous green was and they're going to be hitting wedge shots off of that? Or? Yeah. So, I mean, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't come in play. They, they should be hitting, depending on what they hit, um, driver three wood or maybe try to snap hook a, you know, a, a five wood, seven wood around the corner kind of thing. Um, they shouldn't come into play. They just have made that fairway. They just mow it like a fairway for this week. But they yeah. they hit over the first green to the second green to make it a much longer um, par four. They've been doing that um, for years. So it's they actually use four holes to make three holes from the Primrose course, um, which is, again, really, really weird and unique. They then go, this hole might become the hardest par five in U.S. Open history. <laughs> this- this is this is what hole 12 13 this will be now um 14 14 um this is 14 this is normally number eight on the primrose course but 14 for the composite championship course it's going to be 600 and i should pull up the uh, scorecard here it's probably going to be 650 yards or so um Mm -hmm. par five and the thing is though you can't even remotely see the green you can't even see the second part of the fairway because this is about a 15 yard uh, uphill perch. It's a ma- massive rock, 15 yards uphill. Then the fairway continues to the green. Uh, they're playing it at 620 yards. They're going to play it. If you miss this fairway, though, you're probably not going to be able to hit it to this second fairway to lay up, which means you're going to have to lay up short of the big hill. And you're going to have about 200, 210 yards with a dog leg shot to a tiny, tiny green that wasn't meant to take in long irons. And you can't see shit. You're going to be aiming at the sky. They try to pick Brutal. a line. Um, it could become one of the hardest holes, hardest par fives. It's just no, it's just no way it's a get a gimme, you know, birdie and go on your way. If you miss the fairway, you are screwed. Dunzo. Then oh. they come over to 15 and you play the golf course kind of the rest of the way. Um, quirky, the main driveway for the club goes right through the 15th fairway. But again, blind tee shot, you're basically aiming at uh, the guys. I heard the guys talking today. Like, in the press conference, they're mainly aiming at the grandstands behind the first, behind the green, because you just can't see a lick of the fairway. It's pretty wide; yeah. you just can't see it, so it's uncomfortable. Sixteen, they've lengthened; it's over two hundred yards now. Um, they've made the green a lot bigger to get some more hole locations, but a great par three. Seventeen, again, it's it's been famous for pretty much something big has happened there in every event they've had. Um, short hole, I think, could play challenging if guys try to cut the corner with driver. Uh, this bunker here is called the Varden Bunker. That's where Harry Varden tried to hit driver over it, hit it in there, made bogey. We met, made birdie um, in the playoff, and that kind of sealed the deal for we met in the playoff. So uh, it's a pretty benign hole if you just want to play it smart and lay up, but it's also kind of a sharp dark leg in camber, so they might just try to take driver up. You know, it's 375 yards or so uh, way up in front of the green here. And then 18... The way the guys are hitting it now, they could easily get, you know, 30, 20, 30, 40. Yeah, yards exactly. Of the ring if you get down, hands, hands added a bunch of gumdrops mm-hmm. um, along the fairway in the rough here, just in case guys do that and, and get it there. You're going to kind of have an awkward stance and awkward lie. And then 18, just a kind of a, a good, I don't even know if it will be a driver hole for some of these guys, it might be a three wood hole. Um, the, there probably could be a lot of birdies on this hole because the so back portion of this green is so severely sloped. There's only like, five hole locations and they're all in the front portion of the green because the back yeah. half is so sloped. Everything kind it's of feeds so back pitch. down to the front portion. So um, anyways, I just wanted to go through that because of how weird and crazy it is. Like if you were, again, if you were to get invited by a member up there, 
you're not remotely playing the same golf course <laughs> these guys are playing because it's so different. At the club, once a month, they do set this up for the members to play on a Sunday. They call it Championship Sunday. That's um, cool. Once a they month, they, they will set it up as this routing, uh, so guys can can play it and you know as they would in a in a championship. But um, cool. So, anyways, again, different. Thank you guys for for humoring me uh, on no, that. But. I, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, it, you always, I mean, especially some of these classic golf courses. You know, we know that they have to make some adjustments to host a, a, a you know a championship event like this. Um, but you don't realize all of the routing issues that go into it. And um, it's kind of, it, it's tough. I mean, it's fun for us to watch it because we don't know any different, but yeah. for the members and people who play it, they're like, oh, wow, well, this isn't really the course. You know, this isn't, you know, this yeah. isn't Brookline, yeah. you know. No, um, easily the coolest thing I've ever seen in the state of Massachusetts, without question. <laughs> you know what? I don't know what you give us such a hard time about. We're fucking great people. <laughs> we're we're great people great people we're yeah. very genuine people super, super, <laughs> like low-key just get it where you fit in type of individuals no we're see, see here's the thing that you guys don't get we're great genuine people if you get in our inner circle we love you to death we'll put our arms around you we're gonna be we're gonna love you if we don't like you we don't like you sorry we might offend you. we might offend you i apologize about that but we we yeah. say what we think and we mean what we say. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you don't, you're not going to, you know, there's no bless your heart. There's no bullshit. We've already gone over that Southern thing, right? <laughs> we just say what we think and we mean what we say. Bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. Bless your heart, Mikey. Bless All right. Heart. So again, I think it's just going to be cool. I hopefully they, they bring something back there and I just, it's just different. Uh, quirky. There's a ton, a ton of character that you just don't find. In today's day and age and today's architecture and even with some of these old courses that get um renovated they 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 look brand new when they come out you know what i mean they take all the trees down even southern hills look like a brand new golf course even though it's been there for a long time right gil hans did that as well but they've i think the the management and the membership at the country club has always said to these architects like hey you can't really change who we are this is who we are I love that don't change us Let's make I some that. some nips and tucks in these and tweaks, um, but I don't want you bringing in bulldozers in here and and completely changing this thing. It's still going to look like that. an old old golf course. So I yeah I'm not a fan of of m- moving so much dirt in, in the redesigns to where you don't recognize the golf course anymore. I think you know we've talked about this before with with redesigns. You know I think it's I'm not a huge fan of of the redesign. I'm, I'm more of a a fan of uh, like given, given a golf course, plastic surgery, like it, it still looks the same. It just looks a little bit better, a little bit just, bulkier, you know, it just needs a little Botox, nothing crazy. Little, yeah. You, you know, know, we don't is, need huge, big breasts and fake ass and fake lips. Just a little Botox here. Or there, just, just a little, little lipo night. You know, that's it. Yeah. Like just reshape a couple bunkers here and there, you know, regrass, you know, just, minor things to make it look a little bit more appealing, but like to, I hate to, you know, get in and completely redesign a golf course. It's like, okay, this is a new golf course. You know, like, I, like I, I played this golf course with my son or I played this golf course with my, my great grandfather. And, you know, I remember making an Eagle on this hole and the, but that hole's gone now. Like, and yeah. that's what's cool about golf. Especially something with that, so much history too. 
Yeah, the history and the memories that you make, and um, I, I, that's why I was I was getting that when you were going through the the course routing. I, I, it's kind of neat to be able to play the same golf course that Francis we met played in 1913. You know, yeah. and I know that they've rerouted a couple holes, so it's a little bit different, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close, and, and it's that's that's what's incredible. I mean, that's a hundred years ago. You know, I mean, over hundred years. That's what ago. you get the Centurion Club and the Live Golf. You get all that kind of history and legacy and yeah, stuff, you, you know? Get, you get all that stuff. I mean, that's why everybody's flocking <laughs> to that. I mean, it's good. It's um, good. all right. So who wants to go first with their picks? Oh, I'm I'm dialed and ready to go. All right, hit it. All right. I this was a little bit of a last minute get together, but these guys have a lot of chemistry, and I'm feeling oh so god. Up. I know what you're doing. Go ahead. No, I, I didn't go there. I didn't uh, okay. Go there. But in some instances, I did. <laughs> Starting off 9,500, Jordan Spieth. Been oh, on top okay. of it, bringing it back. He's ready to go out and play well. 9,200, Mr. Patrick Cantlay. Uh, 8,500, as much as I hate to do it, the guy just keeps getting himself in contention. I don't think he can win. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. The cross-handed chipper from England, fish and chips himself, Mr. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Moving down from there. Well, I mean, he's got good vibes at the place. He's the last he does have good vibes. Exactly. Moving down from there a guy who we keep finding ourselves back in the conversation each week. And the fact that he's only still 7,800, which means Dito your value. And it is meat. Oh, Pereira. <laughs> Sounds like Jay has him too. <laughs> that was and my thoughts. Exactly. But I'll let you finish. 7,600 Spanish sensation, Abraham. <laughs> and then former champion of this event, North Carolina boy from Raleigh, North Carolina, out of Raleigh Broughton High School, a la Wake Forest Arnold Palmer Scholarship, Mr. Weber Simpson. Wow. Mm. He, hasn't, he hasn't done much this year. He, he was injured for a little while. But but the guy shows up. The guy's huh? gonna and at a venue like this, this is this is just right up his alley. You gotta poke and prod your way around, play with a little bit of strategy. Uh distance is not going to be the main concern it's definitely a plus but for him he hits it long enough to still get it done out there with his amount of accuracy ball striking and playing some old school field golf i think he's got a chance i'm telling you right now dark horse pick okay i i I would have bet money on you making a team full of live golf guys but i was (laughs) wrong on that I mean, I gotta put I gotta put my money where I, I think it I think it lies. And when I look at the crowd, um, there's currently more players on the PGA tour that offer a wider advantage for this particular venue. I agree. I agree. I just thought you were trying to troll me. That, it, that's definitely on brand for me. <laughs> 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 Call that what it is. Call it famous. <laughs> All right, Jay, go ahead. All right, we do have some overlapping picks here. I will start at the bottom and work my way up. Um, at seventy three hundred bucks, I've got Davis Riley. 
Um, I, other, I know this is – he hasn't – I don't know if he's even played in the U.S. Open before. I don't think he has. But um, obviously been playing some really, really good golf. You know, at 7300 bucks, I, I think he makes the cut. I think he finishes in the top 25, which is perfect for this event. Uh, in, in terms of tracking. Chris Briley's love child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm down. I don't even, I, I've never seen this guy. I've never met him, but <laughs> he's got, he puts a good move on it. He does. He does, he does put a good move on it. Um, uh, then I, I do jump up to Mito. You mentioned, uh, you know, everything about what he's doing, obviously playing some good golf and I, I had that blunder at the PJ championship, but playing good golf, he bounced back and he, he finished seventh at the Charles Schwab and then 13th at the Memorial. So at 7,800 bucks, I mean, I think the guy is, 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 is playing good golf and he's definitely tested himself under, under pressure while he didn't finish the, the deal at the PGA championship. He played well under the gun for the majority of for the 71 of, holes, 71 holes. He made one bad swing at the wrong time. Um, then I've got Max Homa at 8,100. Again, we've talked about him a lot. I mean, he's just really playing really good, solid golf. Like he drives the ball. Well, he's a good iron player. He's got a good short game. He's got a really good, um, mentality for us open golf in my opinion now we haven't necessarily seen that um in years prior for him but uh, i mean i don't he hasn't played in how many us opens has he played in i don't know he doesn't two? have a great track record in majors but he did just have his highest finish at the pga in a major so yeah he's only played in two us opens and and we all know like it's so dependent on the venue and you know, it's such a, it's such an enigma. Like the U S open is its own thing. Like every week you can't say, well, I finished in the top 10 in the last two U S opens. Well, good luck to, to you in the next one. Cause it's a complete it's different, different. Venue. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to get off too. these golf courses are usually so hard. If you're just a little bit off, it can make you look stupid and you've put up a 76 oh, and you miss the cut or something, easy, you know, easy, easy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like he's been playing really good, solid golf, and I, I think he's primed to play that's, well. Here. That's a good pick. I like his I value it, too at eighty one hundred. At eighty one hundred bucks, a guy who's only missed two cuts, he's he's shown the consistency um, over the course of the year. I, I feel like he's, you know, he and he's won two. He's won. He's won two times this year, or once. I think it's once. I get, but twice. No, twice. Like, he won the Fortnite and the Wells Fargo. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. officially this in this calendar season uh, yeah. or this this year. But um, anyway, um, from there I jump up to uh, Fitzpatrick. I, I will say that I did think about the the cross handed chipping because I know it's going to be an issue. But apparently it works for him, and he's fine with it. But he's going he to can make a cut. He's not winning, but he can make a fucking cut and get, he can top t he can top ten it. And he's, he's got that. really. There's something it's, for a guy who's, who's, who's obviously in the top, you know, 15. Is he in top 15 in the world? Top 20 in the world for sure. Um, he's and he's been playing some good golf for the last six months. He's got. There's something to be said for going to a venue that you are comfortable on, and he is one on this golf course. So even if he's not playing his best, you get on a golf course that you are comfortable on, and you've got good memories. I mean that just that in, yeah. that in itself is going to help spark some some good play. So put you in a good headspace uh, for a tough week. A hundred percent. And then uh, then I uh, I finish finish it up with the uh, uh, 
<laughs> I was kind of think of a cool nickname for this Irishman, but I, I can't think of one. Um, but Shane Larry just loves the U S open. And this guy's got one of the best set of hands in the game. And if I'm going to have a guy who misses greens just by default, because the greens are small and the, and the fairways are narrow, this guy's a grinder. He's going to find a way to make pars. And, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Shane Lowry wins his second U S open. Or I, wait, uh, did he win? No, he hasn't he won, won the British Open. Won, won the British. Yeah, but he 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 finished he finished close again when DJ won at Wingfoot. He was right up there close to the lead. I think what did he finish top two or three? Uh, um, uh, Oakmont, yeah, Oakmont. I'm sorry, not Wingfoot. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, he. I, I just feel like he always plays well on really tough golf courses. I mean, even when he won that British Open, I mean, it was playing super difficult the day that he won. It was like cold and windy and rainy. Yeah. And like, so anyway. Um, and it's supposed, actually, to get, it's supposed to get a little breezy. Yeah. I, I was actually, when I put this all together, I was really happy with, uh, with the list and, and uh, the last person on the list who's <laughs> at 9,300 is Will Zalatoris just because, I mean, he's playing good and he's a great ball striker. And if he actually chips the ball, well, um, he just doesn't put six footers that great. He, he actually finds a way to make them go in. It just doesn't look pretty. So, but um, like I said, I, I was really happy with this. So that probably means that I'm going to do terribly this week. Cause I like him. <laughs> so I like this, this lineup so much, but um, I don't know. I think all these guys have a chance to finish in the top 25 in my opinion, but all right. Well, I guess I'll go while Jay and I may beatenly disagree on the live golf tour. We, usually agree on a lot of our picks. We have three of the same picks on our team. Nice. Not five of six like we did a f- couple months ago. But And I lost on that one pick. <laughs> you beat me on that one guy by like one point. Yeah, I was like one and a half points. Um, so, all right, I'm going to start at the bottom. I got a couple of uh, some good sleepers, I think. Um, Brian Harmon, 7,000. Uh, again, not a long golf course. He drives it pretty well. He's got a good short game coming off a top 20 at Memorial. I kind of like him as a sleeper. You know, if you look at some of his strokes gain statistics uh, overall in the last like 24 rounds, he's actually in the top 25. Um, so he's he's trending. And again, I think it's a good good course fit for him. He has played well in the US Open before on a wildly different venue <laughs> at Aaron Hills. I think he came in second to Kepka or was up there top five. Um, yeah. But I, I like him. Um, at 7,000. Then I go up Davis Riley, 7,300. Same as you, Jay. Drives it very well. I don't think driving will be... I think actually driving is going to be more important than iron play, which is weird to say with a, with a course with small greens, but I think just everyone's going to miss greens because they're so small. Um, and because they're cantered, uh, cantered and they're shaped weird, I think if you can drive it in the fairway yeah, and somewhat long... long you're going to have a better chance to hit more greens. Everyone's going to miss greens. Yeah. The best iron players in the world are still going to miss a decent number of greens this week. Um, yeah. And he's just playing well and, and solid. Um, I mean, he hasn't finished outside of the top 15 uh, in like two months. So yeah. I guess that's pretty good. Then I go up to a sleeper for con- to win the whole thing. Tommy Fleetwood. Oh. I was looking hard at Tommy Fleetwood too. Seventy seven hundred dollars has played really well. Um, if you look at almost dating all the way back to January, he's had a whole bunch of top twenty finishes, um, four top tens, 
his game's rounding in the form. He has no major weakness. If you look at his strokes gain statistics, he drives it pretty well. He's a great iron player. He chips it pretty well. He puts it pretty well, which is usually not his case, but he's putting it better than probably he ever has, um, which is probably why he's, he's finishing so high. And he's due. So I think he's a sneaky contender to win this whole thing. I may have put a couple of shekels on him um, this afternoon at like plus 6,500 uh, or so. <laughs> um, then I'm going to go up to um, Shane Lowry. I have picked him now in all three majors. <laughs> and I picked him a whole bunch this season. He's just playing his ass off. He's playing well. Yeah. He's going to make the cut. Um, he's really good at bogey avoidance. Uh, I'd like a short game. Like you said, his hands are going to be great around these greens with some of these delicate um, yeah. chips out of, out of the rough. So good. He He's not phased by tough golf courses and tough conditions. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to keep picking him until he fails me. And he hasn't really done it at all this year. Then I go up to another guy you have, Will Zaltors, 9,300. Yeah. I am concerned about his putting um, because you're going to miss a lot of greens and have to chip it. You're going to have a lot of those five, six, seven, eight footers for par. Yeah. And I'm, I'm nervous about that. I don't think he wins, uh, but I do think he just plays well because he hits the ball so well. And that's what yeah. you need in the U.S. Open. So he's going to be yeah. up there top 10. Um, the putting does scare me. But I'm okay with him not winning because the winner – and he's been a, not talked about recently. Xander Shoffley is going to get his first major win of the year. <sighs> really? He's been playing well recently. Last three events has been the top 20. Just sneaky up there. Again, no major weakness. Drives it great. He's got a pretty good short game. Puts it well. Um, I think he's going to just – no one's talking about him. I think he's going to catch a lot of people yeah. sleeping. They're talking about, you know, Rory's winning and – JT won the PGA and Scotty Scheffler won the Masters. They're talking about all those big guys. Everyone's talking about live golf. And Xander's just kind of keeping quiet, playing some steady golf recently. And you know, he's never finished outside the top 10 in the US Open. I did I did look hard at that. And I did look at the last three major championships and he's missed the cut in the last three. That was weird. It was for a while there. He didn't finish outside the top 10 in the majors ever. Yeah. And then in, in this past calendar year, it, it, I don't know what happened. He, he's any he players championship, Masters, and the PGA. He played poorly, which is so. Well, bizarre. no, he, he was he t thirteen at the at the PGA this year. It was okay. So one of the events he he did play well. He missed the cut at the Masters. Missed the cut. The, the players, players played pretty poorly. Players played. he played poorly. Other yeah. than that, he's played pretty solid this year. He did have a t thirteen at the PGA. Um, T18 his last event at Memorial. Yeah. And so I, I just think I think it's his time. I think he's due. Um, I think it's good I that like no one that. I do I think, like that. I do like that pick. I think it's good that no one's talking about him because he has come in and people have been talking about him past majors because of his high finishes yeah. the last couple of years. And then he's disappointed. But um, I'm gonna go, yeah, Xander Shoffley is as my winner. Um I had, you know, Morikawa at the beginning of the season. I had picked him to win this because I thought this venue would fit him. And I do think this venue fits him, but he's just hitting the ball too poor. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I wanted to pick, I really want, like, I love JT and Rory this week on this golf course. They're obviously playing well. Um, yeah. But I just couldn't, with the dollar, I just couldn't fit into my lineup. But look out for those I, guys. I, I, looked, I, had, I had Rory in a couple of my lineups too. And it just, it, I had to dip so far down. Um, with Rory and I just uh, this is 
I love Rory and you guys all know that uh, this is quintessential Rory. He's going to, he'll, he just wins the RBC and he's going to, everyone's going to be like, Oh, Rory's back. He's ready to go. He, the wouldn't surprise me before he misses the cut this week. I hate to say that. Like, I don't want that to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets off to a bad start, you know, first round shoots three or four or five over par. And then, you know, tries him. He'll make a run on Friday and make like three birdies on the front nine to get to like, two over par and then he'll make five, four bogeys on the back nine and miss the cut by one. Like what if you, that happens, we, it's on, it's on, it's, it's recorded. So if this actually comes to fruition, then I mean, I'm just, I'm a psychic. I'm just I think, saying. I think I actually semi predicted he'd win the, the RBC last week. I said he'll probably win this week and then disappoint in the U S open. Mm-hmm. It, that should coincide with JT making a couple birdies to get closer to the lead and provides. <laughs> That I'm looking for that prop bet. There you go. Um, so I keep an eye out for Corey Connors this week. I think you know he played well here at the USAM. Great yep. ball striker. Uh, could be a sleeper as well. Um, plays tough golf course as well. But what do you guys think the winning score is going to be? So I, mean, I still think it's going to be I, I probably with given the length. At 7,200, I know it's par 70. I still think it's going to be under par. I'm going to say one to three under par. Yeah, I was I was thinking four under was kind of what my, I think is going to be. I think you're yeah. going to get someone. I think it's going to be one of those majors where you're going to have the lead after Friday is going to be six under. And then, then, gonna, then, four under, then four under is going to win. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So something like that. People, some decent scores. The USJ seems to somewhat set it up a little easy Thursday, Friday. And that's partly just because so you they've got 156 players to get around there. Um, so I think the lead will actually back up on the weekend, but I think under par does win. Yeah. So, all right, that was a long pod. Um, <laughs> almost almost two-hour podcast, but thank you guys for uh, for tuning in and listening and listening to us argue and yell at each other again about Live Golf and my whole spiel on the country club. Hopefully everyone enjoys it as much as I know I will. And yeah, U.S. Open Father's Day weekend. It's uh, one of the best weekends of the year. So, all right, guys, that was fun. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.